I feel like this needs to be like sponsored by Juicy Juice. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. How amazing would that be? The Juicy Juice Variety Show. Done. We're producing it. Are you nostalgic? A parent? Or perhaps a child at heart? When it comes to children's media, from books to TV shows, and even movies, there's often more than meets the eye. Is it well written? Does it still hold up today? What works and what doesn't? Or maybe you wonder what went on behind the scenes of that work. Together, a trio of adults, who are also kids at heart, will critique and comment on a new piece of children's media each episode. Hello, this is Eric. Hi, I'm PJ. And I'm Rico. You're listening to Beyond the Lens, a family-friendly podcast. Okay, welcome to the first edition of Beyond the Lens. This, I guess you could consider our pilot of sorts, because this is going to be very rough as the first show, but we'll give it a shot anyway. For the first few shows, we'll have our favorite uh, different TV shows that we had as a kid, and mine, which is today's topic, is Zoom. I guess, how familiar are you guys with the show? I mean, I used to watch, I believe it was on PBS, yeah? I used yes. to watch PBS. Yes. Yeah. I used to watch PBS all the time as a kid, and I would occasionally see like advertisements for it, but I would never actually watch it. I'm not really sure why, but it always seemed entertaining to me. Mm-hmm. I just never actually gave it a try. I think it's the same with me as I saw it kind of in passing, but it was never something that I immediately... I think my focus really was on like one of three shows at a time in my life. And then once like one of those three shows ended or something happened, I move on to another show and like three was my max cap. So apparently that just did not make it into my three show run. Um, (laughs) But, you know, going back and watching a clip of of the show um, today just to kind of refresh my memory, I do recognize the theme song. Um, I was talking to a couple of my roommates about it and they started singing it and I was like, Oh, okay. So this is a thing that other people definitely know about. Yeah. And I just wasn't as familiar with it. Yeah. That theme song is so catchy. I think most people actually know it, even if they haven't seen the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And one thing that you guys might not know is that the very first version of zoom actually hit all the way back in the 1970s. Uh, yeah, I saw that. I did a little research, and I thought that was pretty cool that they kind of did a reboot, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of these, like, I guess I'd consider it somewhat of a variety show. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what I would, because of the the various segments in it. Yeah. Um, right. But it's it's nice to see that those types of shows can continue to be revitalized and refreshed every so often. I mean, you see it with stuff like game shows all the time. If the concept stands and it works, there's ways to modernize it and refresh it for a new audience. So what kind of things were on the show? Because I know it was filled with various segments. Um, it looked like there were some some science stuff involved um, because yeah. it was sponsored by like the National... What was it? The National Science Foundation? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and I thought it was really cool that they did a segment for, like, fan mail and everything. I thought that little segment itself was kind of appreciative of the people who, mm-hmm. you know, make the show possible. Some of the various segments that have come to mind when I think of Zoom is the games, the crafts, the recipes, the science experiments, and even at plays. Which one was your favorite, Rico? Of the segments? Yeah. That's tough. I'd say it would either have to be the science experiment or the plays. Because the plays, because I like storytelling and I'm very creative. Then at the same time, I also like science. And while I can't exactly credit the show for my love of science, it definitely played a part in it. 
that's really cool. I think it's interesting that that there were several books released based on this series. Um, with Zoom Do's, you can do um, talk, kind of referencing the different activities that they did on the show and showing mm-hmm. that these are the activities that you can do at home with you and your family and friends. That's something that we really don't see too much of in children's television nowadays. This That was kind of the ending cups because the show ended in like the early 2000s. And you don't really see many more television shows that um, have that cross-marketing of interactivity. You have TV shows that have you know, books that they're based on or they adapt one of the television stories to a book um, or you have merchandising like toys based on the series. But you don't really have much like Mr. Rogers or anything with Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop. They have very interactive materials to be able to bring families together. And that just really isn't a thing anymore. So I find it interesting that this was like that ending cusp of that uh that fad yeah and i was gonna say there just isn't really a show that's like zoom anymore like it just cuts between segments and it flows really nicely i I think that's something we're missing in children's media nowadays i completely agree i think the closest we've gotten to anything like this show is something like and and as far as children's television goes is like Mm -hmm. um the Amanda show or Oh, I was going to say the Amanda show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love the Amanda show. But even with those, those were more for an entertainment and comedic standpoint versus this, which yes, there was some comedic and, and entertainment value to it, but there was also a lot of educational and interactive segments to it to be able to balance that out. Yeah. I think it's very important for a children's television show to have that some sort of level of education um, in order to teach the kids why the things that they're doing is fun, but also like what the process is behind it. Um, I just got into a discussion recently about um, about theme park entertainment and attractions, and it's kind of the same thing. Was you know you look at a theme park like Epcot, which was set up as a very technologically advanced and educational entity it's kind of lost its identity and it's shifted completely away from what that is and you see that a lot with the the fads of children's television just television in general it goes through all these cycles of different things that you know and it circles back you see it in media in general we had you know we continue to loop through an Alice in Wonderland phase or a Wizard of Oz phase or a Peter Pan phase and we just keep coming back and all the studios will focus in on that one segmented thing so I think it's it'll be interesting to see if we ever do get a show like this to come back to broadcast television. And if not, what is, you know, streaming services like Netflix or Amazon Prime or anything, Hulu will be able to pick up and play with this idea. Yeah, I just find it kind of funny because, you know, Zoom was essentially a reboot and people are talking about rebooting it again because it's there's the same problem yeah. of there isn't a show like this anymore and i'm kind of interested to see if is if it's actually possible to reboot zoom and if it did happen what would it look like i mean the closest thing i would consider sort of a reboot of zoom sort of happened like right after zoom was canceled the same producers of the show went and created another show for PBS. I don't know if you heard of it. Fetch with Ruff Ruffman. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that one. I didn't actually watch it, though. Uh, same. It was another, like, I've heard of the show, but never actually physically watched mm-hmm. it. You know, it was sort of similar to Zoom in that it had, like, real kids doing these educational activities, and there was a science curriculum. In there as well, but again, like some of the things that were missing because it sort of took a new spin with the animated characters, Ruff Ruffman, and him hosting this reality game show and all this stuff. But what was missing, at least from Zoom, in my opinion, was one the idea of a viewer submissions like how you could with Zoom, you could wait to Zoom, you could send in your ideas. And also the interactive element that you were talking about earlier, like 
you see all these kids and fetch do all these great activities, these great challenges, but there's not really anything like that shows that you can essentially do something, even if it's on a smaller scale, yourself at home with your family and things like that. I think it's also interesting to see, going through some of these clips, how simple a lot of the, well, one, a lot of the activities were, but two, the backgrounds and everything, they have mm-hmm. such broad color pops, but it, you can but you can also tell that it's like on a studio stage. Mm-hmm. So I find that very interesting because there's not a whole lot to distract people from what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Going back to what you were saying about like viewer submissions, I'm honestly surprised that that is not a thing that happens more often in a lot of these shows. And I know that was a huge thing in the 90s, but you see how people act on social media and how they just want their opinion thrown out there. Or what? Or look at me. Let me get my mm-hmm. 15 seconds of fame. And so to not have that accessibility in a lot of these television shows anymore, it's just, it's very bizarre, especially mm-hmm. with how opinionated and, you know, center of attention everyone is. Yeah, now that you point that out, I actually, yeah, it, I can see that now, and it's kind of, it's sad. Yeah, I mean, if I was to play devil's advocate for a second and be like a studio executive who hears something like that and says, well, all these kids are now on social medias uh, uh, nowadays, like Facebook and Instagram, they're, they're on these sort of platforms already, so why would we want to bring sort of that element back into a children's show when it's the 21st century and people can easily do that themselves without the need of a TV show to do it. Well, I think just saying my segment was chosen for a television series is enough to get people to go crazy mm-hmm. and brag about it. And by bragging, I mean share that episode or that clip of that episode on social media and then get people a higher viewership for that show. Um, So that's the starting point. And then, you know, if that's going to give you more viewership and merchandise sales or or, anything like that, ad space, however, wherever it's going to be, why wouldn't you take that? Social media is a free tool. Implement Mm -hmm. that or because it's been, you know, what, 10, 12, 15 something odd years since the show ended Mm -hmm. so much has happened with social media since then youtube Mm -hmm. was just starting up when this show ended so there's a whole Mm -hmm. facebook wasn't even around so there was a lot that's been happening since then so Mm -hmm. maybe there's a way to implement a social media aspect on the show like use your hashtags to send in your you know post post these things on social media and we'll feature them on the show or something like that Yeah, that's kind of how I was thinking um, when I said, oh, I wonder how much the show would change or what would change. There would definitely be a lot more segments involving social media and just people having different ways of sending things in, like videos, everything from videos to a short clip to pictures. Like, I'm not entirely sure, but yeah. I think what's with something like this, where a show has so many various segments to it it would have to kind of shift and refocus on maybe focusing on a specific topic and maybe like three or four of those segments for each episode so that we didn't like overload people but then again you know you have social media which is overloading people and everyone's attention span a shot so maybe those like 10 you know 10 segments an episode might work better now god only knows (laughs) yeah there you go i miss a lot of these hands-on activity things you don't really see any of this anymore bill nye the science guy is another one that did a lot of these types of things oh yeah you don't you don't see any of this anymore any of the explanations behind how anything works no no, yeah and i like the thing about zoom like where they you know zip from segment to segment or like uh i saw the first episode uh entirely actually just to get a sense of what zoom was like and yeah. they zipped from the starting segment and then cut to another segment, then went back to that first segment. And at first I was like, oh, okay. I thought the first segment was done. 
But then I was like, oh, it kind of makes more sense to take a break because then it leaves you with kind of a cliffhanger as to, oh, how did that segment end? And I thought that was really engaging. Even though there was no explanation, you kind of had an idea of like what mm-hmm. what was going to happen. Yeah. And that definitely fits the attention span and the format of how things are working now with children's television. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe not a whole lot would need to change. Just modernizations and updates and tweaking exactly and a new cast of kids because these kids are going to be way too old now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't even know if you guys know this but uh a sort of a sad note uh i know you had mentioned that you've seen the the first episode or whatever the yes. the, the zoomer uh jared was who's in the first season he unfortunately uh, passed away in 2006 in a drunken driving accident. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that would have made him, what, like, a, definitely less than 20. Yeah, I think so. Like, late teens, early 20s. I'm thinking yeah. it was, like, early 20s. Yeah, still, that's such, that's such a young age. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I I have nothing to say other than that's really unfortunate because mm-hmm. it's like you grow up watching this show and you see someone you kind of like idolize or look up mm-hmm. to and mm-hmm. to hear that, you know, they died at such a young age, it kind of mm-hmm. breaks your heart. Yeah. And another thing that you mentioned, like getting new kids, like if you were to modernize it, uh, I know like from... From season to season, they got new kids. They usually had like they didn't. I don't think they did this in the seventies, but I think they just did this to ease the transition with the uh, with this generation. Is they kept some kids from the past season, and then they brought in new kids, and then as they grew older, they so it just kept changing. So they kind of transitioned like Barney did. I think I'm. Not entirely familiar with how the kids on Barney worked, because, I mean, I watched that as a kid, but I didn't pay that much attention to the I, kids. Ironically, I paid way too much attention to that show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what would they would the do same, is, they, yeah. yeah, they started out with um, a set of kids, um, some of the older kids that started with the series back in the late 80s, and then... Um, as they progressed and got older each season, they kind of started to trickle in like new kids and watch to kind of have them grow up with everyone. So they just continue to transition new kids in and the older ones out and cycle it out. And then they replace everyone. And then the show got terrible. Um, you know, <laughs> as television does. Yeah. So I, I feel like, like yeah. this show, I think, I, I mean, it ran for seven seasons, so it mm. definitely got its run out of television. With mm-hmm. what do we have in here? Two, four, six, eight, eight, sixteen, two hundred episodes. Like that's yeah. crazy for a kids' television show, and, and especially, especially in that yeah, seven for a years. reboot. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. the seventies two series had that one also had six, so that one had six seasons. This mm-hmm. one. It doesn't say how many episodes. Yeah, I have were. no idea either. Oh, we're here. Uh, 130, 130 episodes for the first. That's crazy. Part of the yeah. Which, and then be able, being able to reboot that 20 years later and have more than mm-hmm. that, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I think it just goes to show that like that format just works and it keeps mm-hmm. kids' attention. It keeps them engaged, too, and it doesn't have to, not every single thing has to be on the phone. You know, you have all these different apps and these color by numbers and bejeweled and all these different games that people and kids play. While, yes, they're helping build your brain and doing all that kind of stuff and moving it forward and giving you, like, brain teasers, there's so much more that you can do with with physical items too. And I think this show did a good job of showing some of these like 
home crafty things. Yeah, that's something we're missing a lot of. Like, um, you know, we have kids who stay on their phones all day or play video games all day, watch TV all day, and they're not staying away from the screen. And Zoom showed that, you know, you can do crafts, you can cook, you can do all this other stuff besides stare at a TV screen all day. And I think that's also something we're missing from a lot of children's media nowadays. Mm-hmm. Correct. I'm always impressed when a TV series is strong enough and brave enough to say, yes, we are a TV series and we are telling you, please do not watch TV all the time. I think that's incredible. I mean, it shows how strong and confident they are in their message. And it obviously worked. It ran for 200 episodes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. Do you know if any of these kids went on to do anything after they were done with this show? Like, did any of them become famous actors or anything? I don't think so. I mean, the closest I could think of is that there's... Is that Caroline, who just so happened to be Zoom, that was also on the most seasons of any of the kids. Uh, she went on to be the host of a science YouTube channel. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, that also makes sense from what she did with Zoom. True. I know, uh, Emily from the last season, she sort of was an actor as well in different commercials and stuff. But nowadays, I think she's sort of... Well, she does have a social media presence. It's sort of toned down a little bit since, like, she first emerged, I guess. And the only other one that I can think of, at least as it relates to show business, I could be wrong on this, but I've heard that Kenny, who is from... The second and third season, he went on to do like some director and other behind the scenes sort of stuff on movies. Yeah, that's still really cool though. I think it makes sense that only a couple of them went on to do entertainment type roles, and the others kind of, I mean, that's a very common thing in children's television with, or with children actors, is they'll reach a certain point they'll either do this that one project or they'll do a couple of small projects and then they'll say okay i'm done i'm gonna live a normal life now and then that's it so the fact that we haven't heard where most of these people are that also doesn't surprise me and it makes sense most of these people look like this was their only entertainment role that they've ever had Mm -hmm. um so they did their fun thing as a kid and they said okay i'm gonna be an adult now bye I completely agree and see that with, like, many other kids, but another person I just thought of, Taylor from the last season, I know she has a social media presence now, but, like, then immediately after the seventh season, she was on the the first season of Batch, which we talked about earlier. So the reboot of the show was developed in Boston. I'm trying to see if the original show doesn't say country of origin you know oh no there it is production locations boston okay so this is definitely something that sorry uh internet um this is something that was specifically developed in boston it's it was a specific region that this show was developed in and and continues in i guess so i guess if they were going to do a reboot i mean i guess it doesn't really matter but i feel like boston would be the one place to do it yeah but is Boston is Boston a big filming location anymore? Do they do a lot of filming stuff there? I mean, WGBH is the PBS station in Boston that produced Zoom, but they also produce a lot of programming for children and adults, usually for public television. Because Kate Taylor, her uh, pet project was that reboot of Zoom in 1999. She worked on Arthur, like, in the early days, and then I think she left after 2000 to focus more heavily on Zoom. And that would make sense if it was within that area that they were producing the same thing in. Mm -hmm. There is a lot more physical activity in this show, and I'm... Kids today are way more lazy 
I don't know if that's going to be something that appeals to today's children's audience, which is real sad to say. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe I'm saying this, but like as a kid, I loved watching other people like get up and dance and have fun on TV. Like I even remember like scrolling through the channels and seeing like sit and be fit. And I'd be like, Oh, I want to try that one day. And I ended up doing it one day and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so much fun. And I would just get like it didn't matter how people were dancing or how they were having fun. I just wanted to get up and dance. And that's something that I also don't see a lot of today. You're right. There's a lot of segments on television series growing up that had, you know, like you said, people dancing or people saying, you know, they're even if it was just the hokey pokey, it's like, oh, I know the song. I got to do it with you. So I, I always jumped up and danced along to the to those segments on television as well. Now. To show how <laughs> to show how television can influence people, I want to touch real quickly on rocket power because for those that don't know, I am not a very physical person and I have had never had a desire to do anything sports related. I was always terrible. And then rocket power came on and I said, Oh my goodness, I have got to learn how to skateboard. So <laughs> I went out and bought a skateboard and I failed miserably. But it gauged my interest enough to make me want to go and buy a skateboard to do all these physical activities that they were doing on this cartoon that may or may not actually be things that you can do in real life. I am not a <laughs> sports person, so I'm not really sure. Maybe they're cartoon sports. Um, but television has a huge impact on that. And I'm not sure if it's going to be, if they brought a show like this back, if it would be too jarring to kids now because there was no, like, transition back into something like that yeah because it's so absent yeah it's so absent yeah (laughs) i was gonna say it's so absent from tv nowadays it's like if someone brought it back what are kids now gonna think are they gonna want to do this as well are they gonna say oh well i've never heard of that i don't know if i should try it like yeah i don't know either it's just Mm -hmm. interesting to me I appreciate that the show sticks to education, physical activity, and all of that stuff because then you get – and talking like normal people versus a lot of these television sh- – especially these animated shows that are all about like the fart jokes and like some of these DreamWorks shows. And I'm just like, can you – can we not just – Can you not just, just stop? Minutes, <laughs> write a plot that focuses on – anything but like gross bodily functions that'd be great yeah i'm like putting myself in these kids shoes and i'm just trying to understand like what it is that's so interesting about those things and i i don't get it yeah what is the appeal about these shows and and the and the material that they're presenting i don't know i can't figure it out either but i will say from the experience that i've had with doing a lot of library programming. Um, we just did a program over the weekend. Um, we did an adaptation of Frankenstein, like real, real little aimed adaptation, A Teddy Bear Comes to Life. And at the end of all of our library, pro- most most of our library programs, we have the kids do some sort of a craft activity. And I tell you right now, these kids get so excited about doing a craft. So maybe there is some interest still and i think hitting them at that younger age is going to be the best way to get them in, engaged and involved in doing that kind of stuff um they love taking things home with them from these programs they love being able to work on them and interact with us in person while we're there so then you know maybe there is hope yeah yeah maybe get them just started young to, yeah yep that's the key. I realized that like most of this talk was not actually about this television. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. more so the concept okay. of what this show was. Yeah. yeah, but it leads into the show, which is, you know, something that is kind of related to the show. Oh, yeah. absolutely, yeah. I mean, if anything, it's sort of sort of a teaser of like what's to come, like what we can cover as we talk about more of children's media and these TV shows and things like that. Yeah, very true. Like, this is a test episode. It's not supposed to be perfect, but at least we're trying to stay on topic. 
Oh, mm. absolutely. I just I'm I'm skimming through some clips of this show while we're talking, and I just stopped on this like ridiculous math problem and I have no context as to what's going on but there's like addition and then division and then subtraction and subtraction and subtraction and then number one and I'm like I don't understand what this math is and why we're doing it how are we splitting this what is this why is this here hi but 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 the math is there and they're teaching each other I like that there's no adults in the show that's also something Mm -hmm. you don't really see anymore or if you do see adults in a show, they're really, really stupid. <laughs> There's this yeah. trend on Nickelodeon and Disney Channel that the adults are written to be dumb. And I'm like, I, you know, I make fun of my parents for being, you know, derpy sometimes. Like, like, oh, how did you not know this information? But also they're not brain dead. So I'm not really sure mm-hmm. why that's the funny thing that's happening now. Mm-hmm. But I do like the fact that it's written by kids for kids. And I think that's, yeah, yeah totally missing mm-hmm. once again from children's media nowadays. Mm-hmm. I love how much, oh my, how much drawing there is in this show, too. Everything's mm-hmm. done so, is done digitally. So there's so much tactileness about, about Zoom. And the overall design is just appealing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, even when I flip through, like I said, the channels or just through the commercials and I would see it, I'd be like, I'm so interested in watching that show. I don't know why I never watched it. I kind of regret it. Oh my god! See, uh, now I'm seeing stuff that we played in like recess, like this Foursquare bouncy ball game. I think that's what it was called, Foursquare. Yeah. That. Uh. Okay. I know everyone wants to play. Oh man, nope. We've got to update this show. Let me tell you why this girl's in overalls, and overalls are making a <laughs> comeback, and I don't know why, and it makes me so angry. You know, it makes Every me angry time- too. Every time I'm walking through a theme park and I see, like, a child with overalls on, I'm like, please stop. Please, stop. please go away. Mm. Here, let me let me take you to Walmart or Target, and we're going to get you a t-shirt, like, and jeans. We're going to get you two pairs of clothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please leave those in the 90s. I don't think they need to make a comeback. I remember wearing just... them as a kid, and I, no, I Same. never liked them. Mm. No. Now we're in Chinatown town where are we what is this what is i'm see i'm continuing to skim through episodes to see what what's going on oh okay i'm i'm not i'm not just randomly shouting things <laughs> I, figured out, I, was, I was wondering what the context was yeah no it's great though this is great maybe it was a zoom guest or like then on one segment they they have sometimes they they have a a video snippet sent in from like someone's life that like, might be were, what this is yeah like i know there was one there was one episode where they had a uh, someone send in a video about her life with diabetes i think it was this kind that she was when you were born diabetic and and it was just showing like what it was like to live with diabetes and all that you can still live a normal life that's cool that they'll talk about serious topics, too. I'm noticing mm-hmm. that it's very hit or miss. And I think it was very hit or miss back in the, the, the 70s, 80s, 90s, up until today, is you get some shows that, like, gently massage that message in um, without it seeming, you know, well, I'm going to today's topic is going to be this. You know, Mr. Rogers really did a great job with that. I think. Sherry Lewis did a great job with massaging some of those topics. And, but then you see shows today, um, so, some of them, like, you know, Arthur does a really good job with it, obviously. Um, Girl Meets World was the one that really took me by surprise because they, especially with autism, they, they really mm-hmm. took what was great about the original series and then brought it to a new generation and then said, okay, but what are the topics of focus that are popular today or the, the some of the issues that are happening today or some of the the challenges that people have and autism has grown significantly over the last you know 20 years in awareness so that's something that they needed to address in the series and I thought that was really cool that they were able to address that whereas I think in the yeah yeah in the late 90s diabetes was something that was really becoming 
popular in awareness. I don't know if popular is the right word for diabetes. It was yeah, increasing awareness. Yeah. Aware in the public eye. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like um, how on Sesame Street. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have known this, but um, they introduced that autistic character, or that autistic puppet. I think her name's Julia. Yeah. It's just to mm-hmm. see that. Julia. Like, yep. yeah. When I first saw her, I mean, I honestly cried because that was something I was missing as a kid. When I was a kid, I didn't like see, I didn't, I couldn't look up to anyone because there wasn't, you know, we didn't know like how autism worked or how it affected people. And we still don't really know. But to see that kind of representation now, it's definitely making progress. Just, it made me smile. And I think that's something good about shows that represent different things like diabetes or autism or any other like mental disorder or stuff like that to see it being represented now and making progress is something that I always love seeing. Well, the representation is important for a variety of reasons. One, you know, we need to be inclusive of anyone, no matter what their circumstances are. But then there's also with Julia, what's great is it's teaching children and adults, you know, Autism has this wide spectrum, obviously, and everyone's autism is slightly different, but it's teaching these children and adults that may not understand what's going on, kind of what's going on, and then being able to gauge the situation based on how a person is acting or speaking and go, okay, so this is not this person being mean or this person's not ignoring me or this person's, you know, not angry or upset with me like this is part of their person and it kind of especially with how they introduced her to big bird um i think that was a huge step forward in educating people about how autism affects people and how to interact with somebody that has autism um especially with how why the spectrum is because you really don't know what what's going to happen yeah like when i saw julia i just saw myself because i was almost exactly like her as a kid and it yeah it's just of course it affects everyone differently and yeah yeah it's just i can't put it into words but um you know you mark progress too and to see like yourself in another person and relate to that that's what really hit me and i would as a kid, oh, I just wish I, that I, I saw imagine, that. Yeah. yeah. But it's just to have a relatable character, even though it affects all of us differently, to have a character like that that's and to have it so relatable is what actually blew my mind a little bit because it's such a complicated disorder, but it was represented in almost nearly perfect way. I mean, you can't really represent it in a perfect way because, of course, it's a spectrum, but to see that, it was yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, to sort of bring it back to uh, the subject at hand with Zoom. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry, getting off track again. <laughs> it's fine. I guess one segment of sorts that I don't know if you've seen, I don't think it was in any of the episodes I had previously linked to to go over, but there was. There was a secret language that was spoken frequently on Zoom called Ubby Dubby. Oh, I did actually look into that a little bit. Yeah, and with Ubby Dubby, the way you speak it is you put an ub before every vowel sound. And I guess I ended up teaching myself at a very young age how to speak Ubby Dubby. And now, like, I can speak Ubby Dubby with without, like, really any thought as to where the ob goes. For instance, the besibbers ribicabo, eberepic, eben pibijebe, eben the bispapot kebastebis, bibiyaban the belebens. And I just said this is Rico, Eric, and PJ, and this podcast is Beyond the Lens. That is amazing. Like, I kept hearing it over and over again, like, when I watched the video, I'm like, I, I can't figure it out. That's really cool. Yeah. I am untalented in that retrospect. <laughs> Same. I have I have zero talents when it comes to stuff like that. So I am more power to you, Rico, for being able yeah. to 
pull that off. Yeah. Hats off to you. I mean, I could put a hat on and take it off, but nobody would notice. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there are a lot more like video segments in this show than I realize, because I'm like, all of a sudden now we're at a circus. I think that's great, though, because then it's just, I like that there's, like, travel advice. Oh, now we're cooking. What are we cooking? I can't see because the PBS logo is on top of it. I think we're making <laughs> cupcakes. We, well, we were making cupcakes, and then all of a sudden we're off the circus. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, the variety of segments that they did was great. There was, like... I think they had a different one per season or something like that. I looked at the little list and I'm like, huh, that's really interesting. Because it's like, what if somebody really liked a segment, but it didn't show up next season? You're like, ah, yeah, I don't know. I just I saw this one segment. I don't remember what it was. Um, but it was on one season. I'm like, oh, I wonder why they didn't do it for more. Like, was it not popular? Did it not fit with the show? I was like, always wondering about that. Like, what? What segment do you notice was missing? Book reviews, I guess they only ran from seasons three to five. And I was wondering, oh, why did it only last two seasons? Or why did they bring it in like midway through the entire series? Because I thought that was an interesting segment. Yeah. uh, I think part of the reason why is they wanted to uh, make room for like different kinds of segments. And so like they can only have so much. And another thing is, starting with season four, they downsized the number of shows to produce each season from 40 to 20. And so, obviously, there's only so much you can put in to into a season. Ah, uh, got it. You guys, I just found this kid on a dirt bike. And it says Davey from St. Cloud, Florida. And I have never seen a more Florida thing than a kid dirt biking. (laughs) Oh my God. I want to know if this guy still lives here and if he's related to anybody that I know. (laughs) I must find out. If I do Mm. find him, we're going to feature him on Can you explain? (laughs) This has nothing to do with this TV show other than you're sending a video, but I need to know if you're still doing this, like, jumping over dirt with a bike. Yes. Uh, That reminds me, like, a Zoom guest segment that aired in the first season, I believe, uh, actually happened to be a singer who was touring and actually ended up becoming famous later on. Happened to be Aaron Carter. I don't know if you've heard of him. I'm afraid I'm not familiar. Hang on. Say that whole thing again. There was a... I know who Aaron Carter is. Yes. Yeah, so... There was a Zoom guest segment showing what it was like to be like a touring musician and a singer, a pop star of sorts, and happened to be by Aaron Carter. How old was he at that point? He was... Must have, must no, have I guess he was just starting out. It wouldn't be. I was gonna say. I mean, because I remember the Aaron's Party song came out when I was in fourth grade because uh, we played that CD all the time in class. So that was two thousand. So I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess he was peaking to his popularity. Um, that's interesting that that was the person they chose. Personally, I'm more of a Jesse McCartney person if I'm picking blonde <laughs> pop singer celebrities. Oh, yeah. But, you know. I mean, I could go on about Jesse McCartney because that was, like, my era sort of thing. I think, I, yeah, I was pretty young still even when Jesse McCartney was was a thing. So, Yeah. I mean, he's still going. His tour. What I like about Jesse McCartney is that he's popular enough to tour still, but not quite popular enough to charge $3 million for tour tickets. The last time I saw him was about five years ago, and his tickets were 30 bucks. He's about to go on tour again, and his tickets are 30 bucks. 
you pay more if you want like the VIP experience, but like even so, that's 150, which is like nothing for a concert if you're getting like a meet and greet and backstage passes and all that kind of stuff. Anyways, jumping back to Zoom, <laughs> were, <Yeah. laughs> were there any other random celebrity guest appearances that happened on that show, or was it just like that was like a really random one? Yeah, I'm kind of curious now. Mm. Yeah, I honestly don't don't know any off the top of my head. IMDb says more shows like Zoom include Zoboomafu, Zoom from the 70s, Out of the Box, Bear in the Big Blue House, PB&J Otter, and Between the Lions. I see the reason why all six of those are on that list. One episode. Who is on here? Connor Flynn, Maya Morales. Yep, Aaron Carter's the only like celebrity type person that's mm-hmm. appeared on the show. Yeah. According to the IMDB. It's so random. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you, Aaron Carter. Good for you. Another another thing that I thought of as you were talking about earlier like uh, none of the kids that were on the show like sort of grew up to like being like famous or stars or anything like that i know in the 70s version uh like if if you made it onto the show you had to sign a contract saying that you would not appear anywhere else on tv or in movies or anything like that for three years after leaving the show that's weird. Yeah. I mean, the reason why is they didn't they didn't want Zoom to be sort of a catapult into like being a child actor or, or things like that. I mean, I can kind of see their point, but also, if the show is still going and these people become more popular, they go, "Where did you get your first role?" And they say, "Oh, well, I was on Zoom. Go watch that show. It's so much fun." But I guess you can't really know if they're actually going to say that or not, or if they're going to be like, yeah, I, I acted. I did things. You can get the entire 70s series on DVD. I'm not sure who asked for that, but there it is. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's the entire 70s series. I think it's I think it's, uh, it's a two-disc set. One uh, was... It was just a transfer of a VHS tape that was released in the 90s sort of to promote the upcoming reboot of the show, but it had, like, all the clips from the 70s, and then at the end, they tagged on, hey, Zoom's coming back. Here's some of the segments we've produced so far. And and then on the second disc, it just had four hand-picked episodes from the 70s. From different seasons. Uh, All right. Any final thoughts that you have on Zoom? I mean, I don't know if it'll ever be rebooted again, but if it does happen, I'd be all for it. I mean, it was definitely, definitely a show that I think if I watched, I would definitely miss. I actually kind of do miss it, even though I didn't really watch it. (laughs) I feel like it should make a comeback. Yeah. I am interested to see if any of if somebody probably me because I'll get bored at some point and be like, oh, I wonder what I can look from this can adapt some of the segments into a even if it's not a Zoom reboot, but take some of those segments and bring them into a new television series. And so, it doesn't matter what it is. Go ahead. So essentially, it's it would be something like create a version of Shining Time Station, except instead of Thomas stories, it's the Zoom segments. That could work. So, yeah, that would be something interesting. Um, I think uh, that was just so much of what PBS was back in the 90s, was a lot of these little segments that were put together, I think with an overarching storyline or plotline, I think that would work really, really well. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it worked with, it works with puzzle place. It works with between the lions. It works with, mm-hmm. um, Mr. Rogers had segments like this. So it's, it's definitely a format that's been proven to work. I'm just hoping that it would work in this time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I would all be for uh, a reboot of Zoom 2. I would also be interested if there, even if it was just a handful of episodes of the 70s, if they had something similar out on DVD of the 1999 version, if, even if it would just be a way to like say, hey, maybe we could see if there's interest yeah. in bringing it back. Yeah, I'm always interested to see what studios and executives think about these types of things. Um, and I'd love to see, I'd love to see almost like a, a test audience view the show now and see what they do react well to without updating it and then see, it, okay, they reacted well to this. What can we do with this specific thing? I like that idea. Yeah. But I'm not a studio executive, so nobody will listen to me. I just like to throw things out into the world and hope that somebody listens. Well, I think it's a great idea. I actually think that they should do that, even if it's just experimental. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a very interesting discussion. I think from my perspective, it was interesting to learn more about a show that I only vaguely knew of as a kid. So this was something... Mm -hmm more eye-opening and i'm more interested in learning more about this show now that we've discussed everything about it yeah Yeah, i completely agree i just i can't believe i never watched this show and i used to see it all the time and again i regret it Mm -hmm. because it seemed like an amazing program yeah yeah so i think that just about wraps up this episode so till next time this has been a journey beyond the lens. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Lens. The intro music is Work. That's W-E-R-Q by Kevin McCobb. It is available under a Creative Commons attribution license and can be downloaded for free at incompetech.com. Beyond the Lens is a ReCore Entertainment production. Now I've got Arthur popping up. Like, no, I didn't ask for you, Arthur. Go back to your aardvark family. That's not what I'm asking for right now.